Hazelmere, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for coming. I don't know how you got here. Some of you may have come in a canoe, but um, bless you. Great to have you here. I am impressed, actually. So, um, and I, I'm really pleased you are here because this is such a significant series for us. It's really important. And this is our second week in our current series called Bless. And quite simply, with stories like Riches that you've just heard, and our Sunday morning, and our uh, midweek program in small groups throughout this autumn term, we are underlining our calling and mission to be a blessing. It's just as simple as that. We are in this community for this community. That's why we're here. So one of the words that God spoke to us clearly at Kings, and many of you will know this, but some of you may not, was from Acts chapter 18, verse 10. And Paul is in the city of Corinth. And then it's late at night, he has this vision, and Jesus speaks to him. And Jesus wants him to stay in the city. And he says, because I have many people in this city. I want you to do that. And uh, one morning, it's as if I dreamt that verse. I, I have many people, for me it was, I have many people in this place. I woke up with that. It was just like one liner. And I went to this conference, and I was prayed for at this conference, and two people came to me, knowing nothing about this, came to me at different times and prayed those exact words over us as a church. God says I have many people in this place. You just cannot, it cannot ignore that. We are in this community and we're in High Wycombe, for High Wycombe, and for this community here in Hazelmere. That's why we're here. So it's, this is such an important series. Uh, last week, if you can recall, we talked about some of the things that Jesus had to do. Now, if you weren't here last week, I'm going to encourage you to please hear what John brought last week, because it puts the whole thing in context. And I want you to catch the whole context. So important that you do that. Believe it or not, John, I've listened to it three times. And, so, and uh, it's, it's really, really helpful to hear. Now, so there were some things that Jesus had to do. And it's that he had to go to Samaria. And he meets this woman at a well in Samaria. Read about it in John chapter 4. And the writer John prefaces the encounter... And he says this, now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Jesus, Jesus has to do mission. He has to meet with people. He has to encounter people. And then this woman, having encountered Jesus, goes back to town and she says, come and see, come and, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see. Do you know, before we expect people to come and see we have to do what she did, and that's a bit of going and telling. Come and see, go and tell. We have a responsibility in our part to go and tell. We can subconsciously think, this is something the church has to do. You know, this is a church has to do. Well, guess what? You're part of the church. That's why it's important for you. You can't, don't let the church as a whole um, sort of mask the thing that you have no responsibility. We do. This is the mission of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5, it calls us, we are called ambassadors. 
We're called ambassadors to reach people for God. This is the mission of Jesus. Furthermore, I want to tell you, you are unique. So just pause a moment. You are unique. Just turn around and have a look. And I encourage you to do that. Feel embarrassed. I don't mind. Just have a And realize this. You are unique. There's no one like you. Now, I have identical boys, sons, men, and, um, and, uh, and they look exactly the same. They really do look exactly the same. And some of you have called them the wrong name. I just want you to know that. But they are different. And they're incredibly unique. And you have your unique way of meeting with people that I don't. This is your mission. You are uniquely called to mission. Albert McMakin was a 24-year-old farmer. And he'd recently come to faith in Jesus Christ. Not many people have heard of Albert McMakin, and he was so full of enthusiasm that he filled a truck with people, and he took them to a meeting to hear about Jesus. Now, there was a farmer's son who he was especially keen to get to one of these meetings. But this young man was hard to persuade. He was busy falling in and out of love with the local girls. Christianity did not seem at all attractive to him, so eventually Albert McMakin managed to persuade him to come by asking him to drive the truck. When they arrived, Albert's guest decided he'd have a look in, and he was caught. And he started asking questions he'd never asked before in his life. And he went back again, and again, and again, and one night, He went forward and gave his life to Jesus Christ. The driver of the truck, that man, was Billy Graham. This is in 1934. Until his death last year, Billy Graham has been leading thousands upon thousands and thousands of people to Christ. Some of them are in this room today. We cannot all be be a Billy Graham. But we can be an Albert McMakin. We can bring people to Jesus Christ. We can do that. So if you remember from last week, Jesus' mission was quite simple. It's in three words. And it's reach, restore, and reproduce. Those are the three words. Is it possible to bring them up? Can we pop those three words up? Reach, uh, restore, and reproduce. There are in the town, in town of Wickham, apparently, conservative figures this is, and I think this includes Hazelmere too, so it, but there are well over 100,000 people. Well over 100,000 people. And in England, the weekly attendance of church is 4.7%. In England. It's the lowest in the UK. It's 4.7%. Even if the figure is a conservative uh, 100,000, that leaves us 95,000 people to whom we can go and reach. I think that gives us great possibilities, don't you? I mean, you're just not going to be short of people to reach. That's great. You won't be, I'm in an hour. Who do I have to reach this way? There's 95,000 people at least out there for whom we can meet with the gospel. So, now some people, we want to see people, we want to reach ordinary people. It's just ordinary people. And then we want to see lives restored, like that lady at the well. 
like Rich's life here. I want to see people restored. She's She's transformed. I can tell you this man over here, Richard, he is transformed, believe me. Changed by Jesus. Ordinary people changed by Jesus. And we want to reproduce that. We want to change the world. That's why she goes over and said, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. There's a whole world in that statement. Come and meet a man. But we need to go and tell. So we want to reproduce. Change the world. There's this study that was done about two teams of missionaries. So all the missionary people here have got their antennae up. And um, they they, they both went to Thailand. And the study was entitled, Blessers versus Converters. So the converters went with the sole intention of converting and evangelizing everyone around them. That was their sole intention. The blessers went with the intention of blessing people. They would say, I'm here to bless whoever comes in my way and or whoever is in my community here in Thailand, I am here to bless. That was their, that was their focus point. The study followed them for two years. They discovered this. The blessed had a far greater social impact than the converters. It resulted in tremendous amounts of well-being in the community and social good. Secondly, they discovered that the blessers had almost 50 times many conversions as the converters. I could say that surprised you. There. The bottom line is that the best way to accomplish the Jesus mission is to be one who intentionally goes out to bless. That's what we're about. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. I'm not telling you anything new. You go back to Genesis and this has been God's heart right from the very beginning. He has this word for Abraham and he says, I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing. You'll be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We are called to be a blessing. You know, this is how we accomplished the Jesus mission. And this is how you discover your mission. This is our calling. So now over the next five weeks, we're going to unpack what it looks like to be a blesser. So we're going to begin with prayer. That's the B. Begin with prayer. And then the second one is L. It's listen. Be a listener. Eat. Apparently everybody loves to do this. So eat. And we're going to serve. And we're going to story. Get an opportunity to tell our story. So can we turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 6, please? going to read Luke 6. We're at verse 12. Gahan, thank you very much for... Gihon, thank you so much for sorting this out because uh, I forgot to put this down <coughs> for projection. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him And he chose 12 of them, who he also designated apostles. Simon, who is named Peter. His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas. James, son of Alphaeus. 
Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So, this is ever so simple here. Jesus begins with prayer. That's the B. Begin with prayer. I know it's stating the obvious. Now, the temptation could be this. It could be to look at the practices and think, is that it? You know, you know, you've been on this for a year, and is this the best you can come up with? I mean, is that it? I mean, it's so, it seems so simple. And I'm going to say to you, don't dismiss the simple. Simple works for me. It really works for me. So don't dismiss it. It's been very helpful. We've been, as a staff team, over the last year, this has been a great encouragement to us, and it surprised us. One of the ladies that uh, was on my list, I was, um, I drive, take a, I was taking a 25-minute drive, and so I pray on this drive, and this lady come, comes to mind. She doesn't come to Kings. Only rarely does she come to Kings, just at presentations or whatever. It's a Saturday morning, and so on the journey, I'm praying. And her name really strikes me, and I start really praying for her. I said, I don't know what's going on in her life, Lord, but I pray. I'm lifting her to you, and uh, I want to meet with her. I just want to have some contact, connect, Help me, Lord. Help me. So um, I'm praying, and I'm down at the town centre the following morning, and 9.15, this lady walks through the door. I'm, I'm going to go, bye, that was quick. I mean, uh, wow, I, I mean, I only just said that. <laughs> like, this is 24 hours later, and she's walking through the door. I think, and that's amazing. And I'm able to sit down and talk with her, and I talk with her after the meeting, and I just... I was, I was so encouraged by what God will do. My friends, he will surprise you. I hope he does. I hope you'll be encouraged by the surprises that God does. I'm not guaranteeing it's going to be that quick. Please, I'm not doing that. But this is not rocket science. B, begin with prayer. In the earlier chapter in Luke, you'll find that Jesus is filled with the Spirit. Luke chapter 4 And it says, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led into the wilderness. Jesus went into the wilderness to fast and pray. He does this stuff. He does the prayer stuff. It's the rhythm and routine of Jesus' life. You need it in your life. You know, pray. It's this constant, essential rhythm. Before he names his disciples, he prays. If you have a list of people, I hope you prayed about it. Because there'll be people that just come straight off our heads, and that's fine. But there'll be others that Jesus wants to really imprint on that list. He'll put them on that list for you. You'll know that he's done it. So begin with prayer. You know, we heard Richard's story. I was at that baptism, and it was one of those things. I hadn't planned it. I just said to everybody, who's prayed for Richard during this time? It was 38 years. Who's prayed for Richard? And all these hands went up. He wasn't the only one who was shocked. I thought, my. And they, and they prayed, and they were consistent in it. They stuck with it. So, in, so pray, my friends. Now, in Luke 6, if it be me, I think I might have been tempted to skip prayer. Possibly the all night as well. But I think I might have been tempted to skip prayer. You know, these, are, these people are not the who's who of Israelite society. You read this list, and um, they're the ones that people just walk past and give them 
Never even give them a second glance. And if it's me, I would say, oh, God, you've given me discernment, and I think this person would probably work out, and this person would probably work out, and I'm not going for 12, because that's, that's asking for a disaster. I'll just try one or two and see how they work. I think that's possibly how I might have done that, played safe. But, of course, this is a significant moment, and you could miss it. Twelve disciples, and there's twelve tribes of Israel. And Israel was called to be... Israel was called to be a mission to the world. It was all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And time and again and time and again and time and again, they focused on themselves. They're not the only one. Churches can do this too. But this is what happened to the nation of Israel. They sort of cemented around themselves. And they became the focus point of their life, not the other nations. They missed the mission. That's the point. They missed the mission. So when Jesus, when Jesus appoints these 12 disciples, that's a significant moment. And the people around them sort of get this. I'm not sure they fully understand the significance, but 12 is a clear number for them. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, and Jesus is not having them miss the mission. He's coming a second time. He's coming again. Why? Because this is what is on his heart. I suspect this is most of what he was praying for all night. Been praying about this moment. I've come. That might release people into mission to all nations. So it's terrific. It's, it's, on his, it's on his heart. I hope it gets your heart. I really hope it does this. Jesus came. He came to see people born again. He came that you might have a new life. He prayed that you might have a changed life. He's changed, he prayed that you be a new person. This is the mission of Jesus, that you be transformed from the inside out, that you would have an eternal life. This is the mission of Jesus, that you would know what it is to be forgiven. And that great weight of sin just broken off you. This is Jesus' heart. And you know, in this group, there's some iffy ones. And as I'm looking out, you probably think the same. You're probably looking at me and thinking, he's an iffy one too. This 12 are not the most natural blend for unity. I don't know if that's ever struck you. If you look through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you'll realize they are quite different, some of this. You've got a religious zealot. Well, who loves a religious zealot? Hey, I'm a religious zealot. I mean, whew. I, who loves one of those? And then on the other hand, you've got a tax collector. Well, previously a tax collector. And, and he's, he's regarded as something you stepped in. He's the stuff on the bottom of your shoe. That's how he would have been perceived. This is Jesus' small group. Who wants a small group like this? And then there's a couple of them called the Sons of Thunder. Why do you think they were called the Sons of Thunder? Have you ever thought about that? This is Jesus' small group. Oh, hands up for small groups. My friends, this is it. But, so no wonder Jesus begins with prayer. I wonder if it was an all-nighter because he's saying to his father, you really sure? I, I, you know, I, that one's okay. Well, that? This is looking like a disaster before it's even started. I wonder if we're having that sort of prayer time with God. Begin with prayer. In my small group last week, we ended the evening in little groups. So groups of about four or five. And... Um, 
And in one of those groups, there's a person sitting there, and they're thinking, that this is what they're thinking. They're thinking there's a couple of people who are on their list that are actually too difficult. They're too hard, too difficult. And he's thinking, I'm going to remove their names from my list. And the person next to him prays, God, let there be no one that we remove from our list. Let there be no one that we think is too difficult for you. It's amazing, isn't it? He's thinking this, and he's thinking about removing the list, and God is like... It's just an absolute moment. And uh, we we had a great laugh about that. It was terrific. So, God is in it. It's good to pray, my friends. So begin with prayer. And secondly, I I just want to... Jesus needed to pray. Jesus needed to pray. Now, you maybe think, well, why does Jesus need to pray? I mean, come on. He's God. Why does he need to pray? Good question. Now, even though Jesus was God in the flesh... To become human meant that he took on self-imposed limitations. So in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes this, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in all ways like you and me. I'm not sure we believe that. But he was. He was tempted in all ways like you and me. Jesus knows what it is to walk in our shoes. I think Jesus became more like that than we can ever imagine. More like you and me than we can ever imagine. And he needed to pray. So if Jesus needed to pray, guess what? We need to pray. I mean, it's how we began. I don't remember. Do you remember your first time you prayed? I can remember mine. I can't remember the exact words. I remember it was clumsy. I remember it was awkward. I remember it was like, I've just thrown a line out here. And uh, and almost, look, if you're there, if you're there, um, I just want to tell you I'm sorry for everything I've done wrong. I didn't need anybody to tell me I'd done wrong, okay? I didn't need that. I, I knew And I'm sorry. And in this sort of clumsy half attempt, God met me in that prayer. If you've never prayed before, you can start today. God will meet you. You can start today. He who comes to God must believe he exists. And I was in this halfway, I'm not sure if you do, but and he meets me. If you've never done that, why don't you start? Start today. You know, Begin with prayer. You'll see, just see what God will do in your life. So Jesus needed to pray. And uh, prayer is relational. So, um, you know, the expression of Jesus' life showed his dependency on his Father. Someone said that Jesus is the most dependent human being that ever lived. So when Jesus tells you and me that apart from me you can do nothing... He means it. You know, all the resources that we have to live in life, uh, we need from him. We can't do it. That's why we came to him in the first place. Why should we change the agenda? We need him. We need all the resources that he can give us. Prayer makes sense. 
I'm no expert. I want to tell you that. I'm no expert. And some days I've just lumped all those names and said, well, you know who they are, Lord. Uh, over to you. I'm just reminding you they're in my list, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a time factor here, Lord. So, here, have the bundle. Uh, I've, I've done that on occasions. I've got people on my list I've not really connected to. I'm a year into this, because we've been doing this for a year, and there's one or two I've not got the slip road into their life. I haven't got there yet. But on my prayer list, I've got a person called today. That's an unusual name today, but it's on my list. And it reminds me that I'm called to be a blessing and to be aware of every person I might come into. One day, Des and I are at a timeshare presentation, and um, we're there for a holiday. We're there for a free one. We're not there to buy a timeshare. We know how to say no, okay? So I hope, don't do that unless you don't know how to say If you don't know how to say no, don't go, all right? But we know how to say no. And, uh, and so we do the no stuff, and at the end they bring the manager around to us, and he starts to speak to us because he's, not a, you know, you're really sure, and I can, I can really make this work for you and all the rest of it. So we get into a long conversation with him, and he starts to talk about his life. And he's had a divorce. And it's a disaster. And he's broken. And his child is in this place and that place. And and as we get to talk to him, we find out that he went to church when he was young. And he was baptized as a teenager. And so the conversation starts to unravel. And so I'm asking him questions, so what do you make of Jesus? And we start talking about Jesus. I don't know where he went after that. But it was the best timeshare presentation I've ever been to in all my life. It was a terrific time. Who knows who God will put along your path this week? Who knows? I have a couple who came on an alpha course on my list. I've been praying for them. A husband and wife. And uh, one day Richard Lodge is in a restaurant uh, actually at Cozy Corner and this couple came he's with his family Catherine and Ben and, and his dad and his, uh, this family this two, these two people come over to him and he doesn't recognise them at first cause, because of the light coming through the windows and they come straight over to his table and then the penny drops and now on our Alpha course Richard does our healing evening and he speaks on healing and, and we spend time praying for people for healing and she comes over to him and she said, I have been from free from insomnia from the night you prayed for, her, for me and I was stuck in that for years and now I'm free. That's a great... Is she converted to Christ? No, not yet. But I tell you what, that's a moment, isn't it? Who's on your today? I got a today list. You don't have to have a today. I'm just saying, be open for this. During this last year, Des and I have had opportunities, doors of opportunities, that for decades have been closed. So, I know that some of you are like that. For decades have been closed, and suddenly, the door has opened. And we've had opportunities to speak about our lives in Jesus Christ we've never had before. Not only that, we have had opportunities to pray. Not that we have just gone about asking if they want prayer, but they have requested prayer. I mean, it's the pick. I'm like, we're walking away going, oh, did that really happen? It's astonishing. 
I don't have a great list of conversions. I've got a list. It's in my Bible. and I, I can't give you that. I can't give you that. I can tell you this, though. I'm closer to some people than I ever was before. Uh, there's bridges of openness, a relationship that have been built in this last year that have never been built like that before. And most of it has simply been, this year has simply been about either building a bridge of relationship or strengthening a bridge of relationship. Most of it has been that. That's what happened. Prayer invites us into a life of dependency. I don't think it's coincidence that this has happened in the last year. We don't need self-discipline to pray. You might think you do, but you don't. We just need to know we're poor in spirit. And we need him. We can't do this. There's not a person you can bring to salvation. You can't do it. Only he can do it. So get your list and put it on the bathroom wall or on a cabinet or stick it in the kitchen or in a drawer that you open and shut quite regularly. Just get your list. Do a number of lists. Keep them in front of you. Keep praying. We need God to do this. Someone asked me this week, doesn't it get a bit repetitive? It's a good question, actually. You know, these names, you know, doesn't it get a bit repetitive? You'll find that God will stop you on a name, you know, and just, you really got to go in there. Um, and I thought it was a good, good question. It's, and I thought, but we're asked to come to him like children, aren't we? Children? And if anybody can be repetitive, children can. They got that little phrase, can I have? Or I want, but we'll go with can I have? You know, can I have? Can I have a biscuit? Can I have a biscuit? Are there any biscuits? Do you know what a biscuit is? Biscuit? They come like children. And Jesus commends us when we're persistent. He commends us for it. So let's stick in there and be persistent. We've got a relationship with God. Now, a few weeks ago, and I'm finishing with this, uh, Di Twining uh, gave me a ring about a TV program. It was about rivers in Iraq that had been restored into desolate areas. And uh, suddenly, the, the life that came out of those uh, rivers and that area. And she remembered in Ezekiel 47 that there's this water that comes from the temple. It comes from the altar, and this water comes down. And it becomes rivers. And it starts to teem with life. All kinds of life full in this fresh river. Uh, I mean, got me, it got me thinking about it, got me looking at it. And uh, everything it touched brought freshness and brought life. Can we not do that? Amen? Can we not bring freshness and life wherever we go? Amen? Yes. We can do this. So... Let's, let's team Hazelmere with the life, with the life of the love of Jesus Christ blessing people. God will use you. Ask him to use you to be a blessing. And when you meet in your groups, ask, who did you bless this week? And you're going to say, I didn't. I didn't meet anybody or whatever. If you have prayed for somebody, you have blessed somebody. I'm going to leave the rest to John now because you're going to write some names and we're going to pray for people. But who can you be a blessing to this week is a good place to stop. Bless you.